Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Turfgrass Epistemology YouTube and podcast. I'm Travis Shaddix, past professor, past uh, turf manager, past salesman, <laughs> a lot of pasts. Thank you for joining me. A little bit of housekeeping for what we're going to be doing um, tomorrow. So today is Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, uh, September 19th. So tomorrow is Wednesday, the 20th. I'm going to be doing the, um, I'm going to be doing the podcast from, um, or I'm going to be doing it at in the evening, I'm going to be doing it at 9 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow night. So I'm going to try one in the evening. We'll see how it goes. As many of you know, I'm a stay-at-home dad. So we'll see if uh, I can pull that off if my kids get in bed in time. <laughs> so um, so today's now. Tomorrow, we will be. I'll be on at 9 p.m. Eastern time. So in the evening... And then we'll, we'll go back to the normal time on Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Okay, so we're, that's the schedule for this week. <clears throat> uh, and tomorrow we'll be talking about fine fescue um, establishment with um, the application of nitrogen or the inclusion of uh, clover as potentially a nitrogen source in lieu of synthetic nitrogen so fine fescue establishment rates and um you know nitrogen rates and so forth it's an interesting paper for tomorrow tomorrow night today <clears throat> we're going to be talking about bile salt applications so let me set the stage a little bit here as to what's um kind of common in our industry there are, what what are bile solids bile solids are the uh byproduct or waste product of water treatment facilities or particularly wastewater treatment facilities so uh, you may be familiar with products from milwaukee or jacksonville or houston where they take um, human waste um, and they process it and remove it <clears throat> remove the solids from the suspension or the sludge used to be called sludge they will dry it and pelletize it and that dried material has nutrients in it nitrogen and phosphorus and some iron occasionally if they they may, they may add the iron in there i don't know what they're doing nowadays but um and that that uh the biosolids have a um have a value in terms of fertilizer they're they're used as fertilizers very commonly in uh in the turf grass industry uh some of the brand names are things like huactinite or um mill organite or um you know there's a variety of different biosolid brands out there okay those products um because they contain nitrogen uh, when they're applied they ought they very frequently uh, result in a very similar response in the turf grass as urea or ammonium sulfate or sulfur coated urea or anything else um, if, if applied at the same rate of nitrogen and if, you know if applied appropriate for those products so that's why they've been used for so many years um, <clears throat> however 
the repeated use of products that contain phosphorus have a potential risk involved. And that is you're applying, you're applying a product that contains nitrogen and phosphorus. Both of them, both those elements are needed by the turf. Um, but oftentimes the phosphorus is not needed to be applied to the turf, meaning it, it, the phosphorus element is needed by the turf, but it's not needed to be, you don't need to apply it because this, it's already receiving all it needs from the soil or the organic matter in the soil and so forth. So when you're doing that, when you're applying an element of potential environmental impairment, such as nitrogen and phosphorus, you need to be aware of the potential long-term consequences of, of those applications. Okay. And when it comes to um, nitrogen and phosphorus really applied for the, in, in the form of a biosolid, we, we have a lot of literature on what happens in the soil, where does that element go? Um, I think I, I even did some of that work on my master's degree where we're looking at where does it go in the soil? Does it go in the turf? Does it get leached and does it run off and all these things? So we have some, a fair amount of research done on that, <clears throat> but what we, def, what we not ne don't necessarily have is, um, what happens. So you might do those studies will generally be two years or over a, a different location or so forth. And we know kind of what happens to the, those elements, but what happens when you apply those biosolids that contain phosphorus to soils that are medium or high in phosphorus to a plant that doesn't need it uh, because it's already receiving to soil? What happens if you do that over two or three or five years or 10 years? What happens a decade after you've been applying these uh, biosolids repeatedly every year to the same soil? Um, you know, what happens then when, you know, when, when it comes to, you know, the soil loading of an element that is not necessary and, um, has the potential to impair water bodies. We, we need to be aware of that. And so today we're going to be talking about <clears throat> exactly that. We're going to be discussing this paper. It's called biosolid applications to tall fescue have long-term influence on soil, nitrogen, carbon, and phosphorus. Okay. This is a paper published in the Journal of Environmental Quality in 2013. And it's um you know there's a there's a paper or two out there like this, but this this one particular um looked at you know exactly what I mentioned earlier. Repeated applications annually, annual applications for 10 years and then they measured what happened in the soil and then they waited another 10 years, didn't apply any uh uh, biosolid. And then they looked at what happened in the soil after that. And they found very interesting results. So if you're looking for a paper like this, just go to, um, uh, the ASA American Society of Agronomy. It's, this is in the journal of environmental quality, which is published through that association. And you can find the abstract online and read it for free. I don't know if the articles, um, open access or not, but, um, you can read it <clears throat> anyway. So you can go through the introduction and, read all about sort of why they did it. What's the problem? I've already kind of done that for you and, um, kind of get an idea what, why they're doing it. And so I just highlighted one or two key points in the introduction. It says repeated biosolid applications lead to accumulation of soil P soil phosphorus because biosolids supply excess phosphorus when applied at rates to meet crop nitrogen needs. So, and phosphorus and runoff from farmland can cause eutrophication lakes. So when you're applying uh, nitrogen 
in a form of a biosolid, what happens is you end up applying extremely high rates of phosphorus because the nitrogen to phosphorus ratio is very close. It's usually a one to one or a one to 0.9 or something like that. In other words, it's like a, you know, a five, two, zero or a six, four, zero or something like that. They're usually very, the numbers are very close to each other. So when you apply nitrogen, um, at one pound of N, you're applying, you know, a half a pound of P or three quarters of a pound of P, um, to keep in mind to a turf grass growing in a soil that very likely doesn't need it. Okay. Especially if the phosphorus levels are in the soil are already medium to high. Okay. So, um, that that's the situation. And they say that here, okay, you can, you, you can greatly increase the phosphorus in the soil by repeated applications when you're applying it based upon the rate of nitrogen. This is why I say, when you apply biosolids, it needs to be done based upon the rate of phosphorus only in situations where the phosphorus is limiting or the turf grass is, is exhibiting phosphorus deficiencies. And that's been confirmed, potentially confirmed with a soil test. Okay. So, excuse me, my eyes messed up here. Um, so that's the way these biosolids should be applied. You have to be aware of the phosphorus in the soil and the turf grass, right? whether it needs it or not and if it does need it then apply those products based upon the rate of phosphorus which is very different than the rate of nitrogen in other words you'd be applying much less product okay so when you apply it at one pound in or two pounds in or whatever the rates you're putting out you're putting out a lot of phosphorus <clears throat> okay so at the end of this uh, introduction we established a biosolid application experiment on tall fescue in 1993 that provides a unique opportunity to address this gap in our understanding of the long-term fate of biosolids nitrogen. And what I'm interested in is nitrogen and phosphorus. This experiment included 10 years of biosolid applications followed by nine years without biosolids, allowing year-by-year -year examination of nitrogen uptake and the fate through an extended period, assessment of soil carbon storage from surface applied biosolids, and examination of the long-term effects of repeated biosolid applications on soil available phosphorus. So that's what I'm, that's what we're here to talk about today. The specific objectives of this research were to determine the effects of surface applica applications of biosolids on nitrogen availability, nitrogen fate, tall fescue response during extended applications and post application periods, <clears throat> and to quantify biosolids effect on soil carbon storage and to assess residual biosolid effects on soil P. So they're looking at carbon storage. And they're looking at um, soil phosphorus and nitrogen availability, nitrogen fate, basically. That's what they're going to be measuring. Okay, so quickly, materials and methods. Field plots were established in 1993. And I never can pronounce this city. And every time I pronounce it, it's wrong. It's in Washington. It's called, I think it's pronounced Paulup. I don't know how to pronounce that. I'm sorry. People, I have a friend from Washington years ago, and he made fun of me because I mispronounced that word all the time. Anyway, it was in 1993 in Washington. Okay, the soil had a pH of 5.8, a Bray 1 extractable phosphorus of 315. Okay, so right there from the beginning, we know that the phosphorus levels at the an initiation were really high. <clears throat> okay, 315 Bray P. No, Bray, Bray, 
Bray 1 extractable. Okay. The, the high initial Bray P levels appear to be the result of historic poultry manure applications. Okay. So prior to them coming onto this land and doing this project, there had, there, apparently there was a poultry manure applied to the land that they're saying very likely resulted in this very high phosphorus level. So right from the beginning, you're gonna you're gonna realize that if that's true, that the application of poultry litter, according to these authors, poultry manure, very likely will also result in an increase in phosphorus in your soil. Okay, which again we don't want unless it's needed. Okay, it greatly increases the risk of environmental impairment through the application of an element that is deficient in many microorganisms, and when we apply phosphorus. In locations where there are microorganisms deficient in phosphorus, those microorganisms in water bodies will explode. The populations will explode, causing an ecological imbalance and all sorts of things that occur downstream from that. Okay, so um, not that it will happen in every water body, but in water bodies that have microorganisms that are their growth is limited because of the absence of phosphorus. We're continuing to apply phosphorus and soils that if in those if in those locations has a much greater risk of causing down the downstream problems from the application of phosphorus through the through, through the explosion of microorganism populations. Okay. Okay. The experiment included eight treatments, two bile solids, each applied at three rates, ammonium nitrate applied at a single rate and a and a non-treated plot. So we're dealing with two different biosolids applied at three different rates and an inorganic uh, ammonium nitrate applied at one rate in non-treated non-treated control. Tall fescue triumph was planted for grass silage. So we're not dealing with a home lawn, we're dealing with more like a forage grass environment. Okay. Biosolids were applied from 1993 through 2002. Application rates were chosen to supply approximately 100, 200, and 300 kilograms per hectare of plant available in per year, split into three equal applications. So this is, remember, uh, just for easy remembering, 50, 50 kilograms per hectare is one pound of in per thousand square feet for our turf grass, you know, clientele we're talking about. So this is uh, two pounds of in per thousand, four pounds of in per thousand, and six pounds of in per thousand. So this is, you know, in the ballpark of what we would be applying. Okay, this is what they this is how they applied the, the biosolids throughout the 10 years. This resulted in biosolid application rates, and they give you the rates of the actual product for 10 year cumulative totals of 67, 134, and 201 megagrams per hectare. Now I went ahead and did the the conversions, and what this ends up being for the biosolid applications over those 10 years is 30 tons per acre. 60 tons per acre and what, where is it? Um, yeah. So 30 tons per acre, 60 tons per acre and 90 tons per acre of biosol. So that's like three, six and nine tons per year is by my calculation. So I just took dozen divided by 10. So each year they applied it, applied three, six or nine tons of biosolids per acre per year for 10 years. Okay. Mean annual nitrogen application rates were 283, 566, and 800 kilograms total in per hectare per year. So that gives you the that gives you an idea of 
uh, mean annual application rates, 850 kilograms total in per hectare. So 850 divided by 49 is 17. What? Mean annual in application rates. No, so the, the plan available in, so times 0.3, roughly, yeah. So times, th th this is the total in, which includes the not the plan, the in that's not plan available. That's the reason they, these numbers are so high. Yeah. So they these up here when they say supplied 100, 200, and 300 kilograms of plant available in per year. I think that's what I think they're referring. Yeah, we estimated plant available in biosolids as 30 percent of the organic in. There you go. Plus 50 percent of money. Okay. So that's what that is. They're just talking about the total in down here that they applied, not including, I mean, including everything they applied. <clears throat> okay. Ammonium nitrate was applied to the inorganic nitrogen treatment multiple times each year from 93 to 2002 at a rate of 67 kilograms in per hectare. So they apply basically a pound, what is that, a pound and a half, pound and a quarter, 67 divided by 49, pound and a third, something like that, uh, of in from ammonium nitrate. Okay, multiple times each each year. So they pound pound and a quarter per application. And we're uh, and you know, so beginning in nineteen ninety seven, we made an additional thirty four zero application to the inorganic in treatment after the fifth harvest to improve. Okay, that's I don't know why I highlighted that, but oh, for the final harvest and increasing the total in rate to four hundred and three kilograms per hectare per year. So that's you know roughly roughly nine pounds or something like that. Forty four hundred three divided by forty nine eight and a half eight and a quarter pounds something like that no biosolid applications were made after 2002 so what they did they applied all this up to 2002 and they stopped from 2003 through 2011 all plots including the no in plot received a uniform annual application of inorganic in from uh, ammonium nitrate or urea at four pounds per thousand to maintain the stand quality so they continued to apply a little bit of nitrogen okay it, but it wasn't in the form of biosolids. So they, so that's the setting sample analysis. Uh, let me, I guess, let me get through the sample. And, okay. So additional samples were collected from the zero in 34 rates, dewater da, 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 for determining, so they determined total carbon, total in and Bray P phosphorus. These samples were collected from these different depths, six cores per plot. Soil bulk density was determined using a hammer driven core sampler. So that's, they, they determined bulk density. They determined all these soil carbon, nitrogen, and Bray P and all these things. Okay. Carbon storage was estimated as the difference in soil carbon in the zero 30 cent between each biosol treatment in the 340. So carbon storage was determined the difference between the ammonium nitrate treatment and the biosolid treatments. Okay, so so let's get to the results. So now, basically, here's the, this is the setting. So we're in Washington. We're applying biosolids for every year at 30, 60, or um or for a total of 30, 60, and 90 tons that were applied over the 10-year period total, total for the 10-year period, compared to a non-treated turf plot or grass plot, whatever, and uh, compared to ammonium nitrate. Okay, and we're going to measure the carbon that's in the soil, the phosphorus in the, in the soil. I think they have yield as well in here. So we'll get to the, now there's the results. The 134 megagrams per hectare cumulative biosolid application rate had similar tall fescue yields as the ANR and yields and ANR annual nitrogen recovery. I think that's what it stands for. ANR annual nitrogen recovery. Yeah. As the ammonium nitrate treatment. 
during the same period, although there were variability among years. So what this is saying is um, the biosolid application rate uh, the of this 134 megagrams per hectare had similar yield. It had the same yield and it had the um, annual nitrogen recovery as the inorganic nitrogen treatment. Okay. And that was seen in figure one and figure two. So what, what it's saying is this dark black circle is the ammonium nitrate and all the other bars are, um, are the biosolid treatments and then the non-treated is this bottom line. And you see early on the ammonium nitrate, or actually throughout really, the, the ammonium nitrate uh, inorganic uh, treatment is very similar in terms of the yield or the growth rate, the yield, well not growth rate, but yield as... Um, as some of the others, there's differences in the letters, but practically speaking, you're talking about differences between like this is an A and a B here. So you're different between 13 and 14 megagram spectra. So I guess that's probably significant biologically. There's occasions where ammonium nitrate did not uh, exceed uh, biosolids and there's occasions where it did. Um, but the ones where the biosolid exceeded it primarily were from the highest rate of nitrogen applied from you know 877 kilograms of nitrogen okay from the biosolid that, that's um quite a bit more nitrogen applied in that treatment than the ammonium nitrate treatment so anyway that's yield annual nitrogen recovery you see the, again the high rate of nitrogen from the biosolid exceeded um ammonium nitrate and then it ammonium nitrate drops off to the very bottom in uh after after the nitrogen application ceased so this is the application zone and this is the residual zone over here on the on the right so after 2002 there were no more applications of of biosolids okay we're going to keep going we're going to get through this pretty quick today i hope soil carbon and nitrogen six months and nine years after the final biosolid application to the surface of tall fescue plot so now let's look at this total carbon from zero nitrogen is um this is what is this grams grams per kilogram so is 1.9 percent when you don't do anything when you do um when you add uh, ammonium nitrate you get 2.3 percent and they're the same and then you see as the as the biosolids increase you increase the amount of carbon in the top zone and even some of the lower zones. So you're applying, again, 30, 60, and 90 tons, okay, throughout the entire 10 years. And of course, you're gonna see the total carbon very likely go up, and that's what we see. The total nitrogen also goes up, okay? So you're loading the soil with nitrogen as well through the constant heavy applications of biosolids compared to ammonium nitrate or, or compared to doing nothing. So these are good data to know that nitrogen is going to continue to go up. Okay. Um, if, if that's what you want. Now we get to the uh, cumulative apparent nitrogen recovery in crop soil. Cumulative apparent nitrogen recovery of biosolid in and harvest plant tissue during the 10-year application period averaged 38 to 42% of N. Apparent recovery of the ammonium nitrate applied during, whoops, during the same, sorry about that, during the same whoops during the same period was 67 percent additional recovery of biosolid nitrogen was 11 to 12 percent during the residual period compared to five percent for the ammonium nitrate reflecting in mineralization so what they're saying is over at the early time the ammonium nitrate recovered greater greater amount and then later on the biosolids recovered a greater amount meaning that there's nitrogen being mineralized throughout that time okay i would say this number is extremely high apparent nitrogen 67 percent is off the chart i mean that's way high 
normally it's like 50 to 60 if you're lucky and we're looking at 67 here let's get down to that actually so cumulative tall fescue apparent nitrogen recovery in the uh, soil nitrogen and total nitrogen accounted for after 10 years of biosol applications to tall fescue plus eight residual years without biosolids and this is what i'm saying so the 3400 which is here you see after all of it 73 percent of was a uh, was accounted for from the ammonium nitrate uh, plots and then look at this 78 74 and 70 percent now it's not unheard of to have that level of re of balancing or not you know recovery but that is very high normally we see you know we're lucky if you get 60. so to me it's like wow that's they did something right or they just i don't know it, it seems extremely high to me to have that amount of recovery um when over a 10-year period but you know that's what they're reporting and here we go so now it's in, get into the stuff that i'm sort of interested in okay um bulk density was significantly lower in the dewatered biosolid treatments than the, than the ammonium nitrate or zero in treatment at the end of the 10-year application okay and we see the bulk density here in table four and this is what i was talking about yesterday on the study we talked about yesterday when they're applying um, biosolids and composts and they showed a reduction in bulk density when you're applying 90 tons over 10 years per acre over 10 years you're probably going to see an impact on car soil carbon and, and bulk density you're applying a lot of an organic product okay but like i said yesterday does it really matter who i mean unless this unless the turf grass quality or performance is being um uh, altered or is being impeded by the actual soil bulk density from the beginning then i don't, I don't particularly care about reducing it what i mean by that is if you look at the zero in and the and the ammonium nitrate treatment it's 1.16 and 1.16 is that going to result in a reduction in turf quality that would be unacceptable to me or growth that would be unacceptable to me probably not it's very unlikely that 1.16 bulk density would have we'd have some problem with that and we need to correct it so reducing it, I don't particularly care about what it does. I don't, I don't particularly, if it was increasing it, causing it some sort of, you know, potential risk as we move up, then that might be a concern to me. But we're not increasing it. We're reducing it. I don't know why we, people keep talking about it. And unless it's causing a problem, I'm not particularly interested in how it's reacting to it, okay? And in this case, I don't think 1.1 is going to cause a problem. And in fact, that's at the end of the 10-year application. And then at nine years or 10 years after that, we see that the bulk density were all the same. So all the bulk densities resorted back to similar densities 10 years later. So when you're applying that much, you will see a reduction in bulk density. But you have to, apparently, according to these data, you have to continue to apply it year after year after year if you want to maintain that that benefit or that that reduction because the densities just went right back up. Okay. So, I, I, again, don't don't get lost in the numbers. Oh, the, well, we're going to reduce bulk density. Well, so what? I don't, I don't care. Well, the bulk density is actually causing your turf to, you know, 
perform poorly. Okay, how how do you know? Show show me how you're con- why you're convinced of that. And if they show you a good reason, if you're con- it's a convincing reason that's valid, then I would be interested in that. Yes, but if it's not, then it's just all smoke and mirrors. And I'm not going to get distracted from my goal. And my goal and your goal, I hope, is to to have a an acceptable quality and performing turf grass stand, whatever that is to you and to your clients. Okay. And if these numbers aren't impeding it, then I'm I'm not particularly interested in or concerned about it. Bray one phosphorus increased further in the biosolid plots during the application period, but declined in the inorganic N and zero N plots, which received no supplemental phosphorus. Okay. Um, so let's look at table five. So now we're going to look at the phosphorus. Table five. We have the non-treated control started in the top zero to eight or at the end of the application period was was 238 Bray one phosphorus, very high in the non-treated plots. When you applied ammonium nitrate, it was reduced to 174 um, Bray one phosphorus. So you reduced it a significant amount by simply using ammonium nitrate. But when we're using the biosolids, we see a doubling of it at the low rate. Okay, at the 30 tons over the 10 years, we see a doubling of the amount of phosphorus in the in the top eight centimeters. And we see again a, a significant and biologically significant increase when we go up and then all the way up to the 90 tons, we see 900. It went from basically 240 to 900 um, parts per million Bray phosphorus. So we tripled it essentially we more than tripled it we more than tripled the amount of phosphorus in our soil this is critical because the the we it's not needed and that's going to greatly increase the the likelihood if if not the probability of or plausibility and probability of of increasing our environmental risk you're paying for something and you're applying something that one you don't need and two is probably going to cause an environmental issue or could likely result in an environmental issue downstream, okay? When we fast forward 10 years and we look at the same depths, we see the zero in and is is around, it was 190. The ammonium nitrate treatment after 10 years, we stopped the biosolids for 10, 10 years later, the ammonium nitrate is now down to 113. So we're reducing the phosphorus in the soil by the use of ammonium nitrate. And the... Biosolid treatments are still three to four times greater, 630 at the high rate of biosolids at the top eight centimeters. Very, very high levels of phosphorus in those top centimeters, okay? And we see even higher, high phosphorus, you know, three times higher, 60 to 90 centimeters down. We're seeing phosphorus, you know, three times higher at 33 parts per million compared to the, non, the non-treated plots. So this is what happens when you quote unquote throw her down, okay? You're gonna throw down biosolids at a nitrogen rate over many, many years. You know, you can say, oh, forget the future, forget, you know, my my neighbor downstream, and I don't really care what's gonna happen now. So you can say that if you want to, but you're screwing it up for everybody else who's trying to do the right thing. And the right thing is to avoid phosphorus applications except in situations where the turf grass is showing deficiencies in phosphorus and has been confirmed with a soil test that is low in phosphorus. So if it's showing deficiencies or the soil test is, and or the soil test is low in phosphorus, 
those might be situations where you would want to use phosphorus in your fertilizer applications. But if you don't have those situations, don't apply phosphorus. It's that simple. Save your money, you know, reduce your potential environmental risk. And, you know, and it's like I said, it's easy to just say, oh, I'm not worried about next year, five years or 10 years or 30 years. I'm going to be dead and no, you know, I'm not going to be. But that's you're, you're leaving a situation in a society that's having to deal with all this mess. Okay. You know, tripling or quadrupling the phosphorus in your soil when it's not needed, especially to these levels, is not the, the right thing to do, people. Okay. It's not the right thing to do. We need to stop that, please. Okay. We're almost done. Um, overall changes were relatively small between the two dates. I'm talking about, um, uh, let's see. 2002 and 2000 to changes between you know when they stopped applying biosolids and when they um 10 years later they were just relatively small um and the bray one phosphorus was still in the excessive range greater than 100 parts per million they're saying is excessive for all treatments okay but it was you have to understand it was much lower it's a curious language for all treatment yes it's all treatment but it's through and it's three or four or five times higher in the biosolid treatments that's that's what we also we need to focus on that when you when we see the reduction in the phosphorus levels from the use of ammonium nitrate, that should be seen as potentially uh, a remediation uh, method. I don't. I wouldn't say that right now. I don't have enough information, but it's certainly showing a trend of movement downward in phosphorus from the use of ammonium nitrate. Bray1P levels in the residual period remain significantly higher in the biosolid treatments. There you go. Because phosphorus levels were high throughout the 0 to 30 centimeter sampling range, we collected additional sample and they talk about the different sampling depths. Bray1P below 30 centimeters was much lower than in the 0 to 30 centimeter depths, but were still significantly different among treatments. In other words, they were lower as you got lower, but they were still greater than all the other treatments from the biosolid treatment. They were greater than the non-treated and the ammonium nitrate treatment. Okay. I'm going to wrap this thing up real quick. Biosolid applications also led to a long-term increase in plant-available nitrogen compared with the, with the ammonium nitrate treatment, suggesting that the remaining biosolids are acting like soil organic matter. They're not. I don't know why they said that. And are providing a long-term source of fertility. To, you know, biosolids aren't going to act like soil organic matter. That's a big leap from soil organic matter is a much more complex, extremely diverse. Compl com it's the difference between saying like... Um, you, when you grow a, a grove of trees, a grove of pine trees, that's a forest. No, it's not a forest. It's a group of trees. <laughs> it definitely is a group of trees that might look like a forest, but it doesn't. It's not a forest in the sense that it has the same um, biodiversity and the same um, dynamics as a true forest would. So they're not acting like it. I don't know why they said that in there. Sorry. Soil phosphorus increased as expected and will likely take decades to decline below excessive levels. Decades potentially centuries to to decline below excessive levels so the phosphorus after 10 years was still very very high 600 parts per million or greater in the biosolid treatments it might take literally a century or more of harvesting that phosphorus out using non-phosphorus fertilizer and using a plant that you can you can um, harvest remove it um, before that goes down to a, a reasonable level acceptable level so please be aware of that Land applications, of, this is where the language gets a little weird here. This is what kind of set off some alarm bells in my head, but we'll read about it. Land application of biosolids to perennial grasses, and this is the last paragraph, um, 
Pruno grasses is an established practice that increases carbon in the soil profile and avoids the environmental cost of producing inorganic infertilizers. So this, I mean, they didn't identify this as the conclusions. It says implications for biosolid management. So there's not really like the conclusion paragraph, I guess. Um, but it's in the, it's sort of in the position of a conclusion paragraph. I'm not sure. And when I was, when I read this, I'm like, well, why are they putting that in there? This is not the, con they're just postulating something in the conclusions. It seems odd. It seemed very odd when I read this the first time and I was like, okay. And I kept reading these benefits are lost. So the benefits of increasing carbon in the soil profile and avoiding the cost of creating nitrogen fertilizer. Those benefits are lost with alternatives such as biosolid incineration. And that should be included in a cost benefit analysis of biosolid reuse options. Like, well, why is that in there? They didn't include that. They didn't measure that. They didn't, you know, that wasn't part of the study, the cost. And we want to talk about cost of biosolids relative to cost of inorganic fertilizers. I'm all for that. And, the, and you're going to find the cost per pound of N is anywhere between six and eight times greater with biosolids compared to, say, urea or ammonium sulfate. The cost of biosolids might only be $100 or $200 a ton, or maybe it's three or $400 a ton. But because the nitrogen rate, is, the concentration is so low, the cost per N is extremely high. You know, three or four dollars per pound to N relative to ammonium uh, sulfate or urea, which might be around a dollar or so. So it's very, very high. So I don't know why they're cost benefit analysis of biosolids. They're talking about like, if we don't use these on grounds, if we don't use these on turf grass, we're going to have to burn them. And so... We should consider the cost of doing that, you know, because the, the benefit of the carbon being implemented and being added to the soil is a benefit. And we should consider that if we're going to instead just burn them. But and that's fine. But I don't know what it's doing in a scientific journal article. It seems oddly placed. And that's what I was like, what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get somewhere with this real quick. The results of this research contribute quantitative data for calculating these benefits. Phosphorus accumulation is the main limiting limitation to repeated biosolid applications, and phosphorus imbalance worsens when wastewater phosphorus removal technologies increase the phosphorus concentrations in biosolids. <laughs> so what they're saying is the uh, wastewater, the, the ability to better treat wastewater by removing elements of impairment like phosphorus they're getting better at removing those and what they're saying is because they're getting better at removing those they're loading the phosphorus into the biosolid and it says the the p imbalance worsens so they're saying that the phosphorus situation by applying these to lands gets worse because they're getting better at removing it from wastewater biosolids biosolid producers would benefit from alternative p removal technologies that make the n to p ratio in biosolids more consistent with plant needs in other words they would benefit if they if the technologies found a way to reduce the phosphorus in the biosolid <clears throat> well when you reduce the phosphorus in the wastewater you're going to increase the phosphorus in the biosolids unless they find some alternative to use the for the use of the phosphorus that they're removing from the water okay so I'm not sure. Oh, I'm not sure what I wanted to say was it seemed odd that they were saying this stuff in here. And then I went down to the acknowledgements and it says funding was provided by the Northwest Biosolid Management Association. So that right there, when you when the funding is provided by, you know, a, a, an association that 
um, promotes the use of these products and benefits from the use of these products. And the language in the article is peculiar when it's word. It's like, well, why are they saying they're basically they're they're toting or they're they're promoting the benefits of biosolids in the conclusions. Um, I was like, well, okay, and it's funded by an association that benefits from the application. You have to be you have to read that for what it's worth. You have to be a little careful with conclusions and reading too much into it because it was funded by association that's that benefits from its use so there's a little bit of conflict of interest there on that so um just just be mindful and careful careful that that when you're reading these things you got to be see who's who funded it right um there was one last thing that i wanted to uh i wanted to oh and that is it says okay you can increase the carbon in the soil. Um, let me just go back to me. So you can increase the carbon in the, in the soil. The long-term nitrogen mineralization may, may go up, but the phosphorus is going to go up as well. So, you know, you have to be aware of that. It's the, kind of the same thing as, and they go, well, they should figure out a way to, to remove it from water without putting in the biosolids. That would solve our problem. That would solve our problem, I guess. But, and, but they're continuing to provide promotions of the product. So it's kind of like saying this, <clears throat> let's say that our, um, our Congress passed a law that everybody somehow in the United States completely agreed this was going to be the best law ever written and everybody in the United States was going to result in increased well-being, no one was ever going to be sick because of this law, everybody was going to be wealthy, everybody was going to be happy. So all these are all the benefits, but in return for that, every family has to sacrifice their firstborn child. Everyone has to come out in the town square and kill their firstborn child. Then no one would, would that'd be the worst law ever written. No one would agree with it. My point is this, I don't care how good the product results are. If the disadvantage to applying the product is that bad then it's it's not a, a a product that you would want to consider and in this case they're saying well the nitrogen and the car- carbon sequestration and adding to soils and the lowering the bolt density are all benefits that's all true but you're but in return for that you're inflating the phosphorus pool in the soil so high that you're very likely going to see adverse consequences down the line at some point and in my opinion, that risk is too great to assume. Okay. So the short and skinny of it is what happens to long-term applications of biosolids are there's a few benefits from the soil that probably may or may not have an impact on turf quality. Reductions in bulk density may or may not. Increases in carbon may or may not. They didn't really show a whole lot of that in there. And in return, it may. I'm not going to say it won't. It might. But... <laughs> You're you're greatly imbalancing the phosphorus in the soil to such a massive extent it would take a century or more to reduce the phosphorus back down to quote unquote safe levels. When you're dealing with 600 parts per million of phosphorus in your soil, especially in places that are, have high sand soils, and you get a lot of rainfall, you're contributing to some of the problem, and that is phosphorus loading into our water bodies. Okay, so please. I'll leave you with this today. Stop applying biosolids except under the following cases. 
your turf grass is exhibiting a phosphorus deficiency. It has been confirmed that it is a phosphorus deficiency, usually with a soil test. And you're applying the, bio, the, waste, the biosolid at the rate necessary to alleviate that phosphorus deficiency. Otherwise, stop applying it, please. You're, you're screwing things up. There's <laughs> what this paper says. You're, going, you're, you're, you're inflating the phosphorus in the soil three or four or five times what would have occurred if you had you not applied it. And you don't need to apply it at all. Okay, there's no benefit from it, from applying the phosphorus. You're not gaining anything. You're paying for it and you're not gaining it and you're increasing environmental risk. It's too much. Okay, so biosolids, just like any other product, have their place. And their place is when phosphorus is deficient and the turf grass is showing its phosphorus deficiency. That's when the, the biosolids have a good position in our industry. Okay, that's it. So now, don't forget, tomorrow I will be on in the evening. I'm, I'm broadcasting tomorrow at 9 p.m. I'm going to be discussing um, fine fescue establishment, nitrogen rates, and the inclusion or exclusion of um, clover as the nitrogen source, as along with inorganic nitrogen as the nitrogen source, in terms of uh, uh, how it influences fine fescue establishment. Okay, And then on Thursday, we'll go back to the 10 a.m., uh, time slot like like we've been doing so i'm gonna see how it goes tomorrow evening at 9 p.m thanks everybody for showing up i see oh, i see lush you came in a little bit late no problem i'm 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 here so you can go back and watch the 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 stream when you're done yeah no problem yeah we're i was i was uh i've been late once or twice myself so it's all good that's the reason is i'm doing it on youtube you guys can go back and watch it and see how it goes but don't forget tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern, I'll do, I'll do an evening show, see how it goes, uh, who knows, and um, we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. Thanks a lot for showing up. Thanks for watching, and I'll see you guys tomorrow evening at 9 p.m. Eastern. See ya.